Hello. Hello. How is everyone? Um, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm warm, which is incredible in November. Yeah, I know. It's lovely. We've been to the power station Obsessed. and stuff. Josh is here. Hello. <laughs> We just had the most wholesome Saturday morning ever, possibly. Started at Pilates. Yeah. And then kind of hung out a little bit, then went to brunch, came back. Now we're putting an episode. Yeah. It's been good. It's my kind of Saturday, I have to say. Yeah. It was nice. I love it. Um, I love it. How was your week, Josh? What did you get up to? Tell us about your week. Um, To be fair, I've been a bit ill this week, so Mm. not really a lot to update. I've been working from home a lot for the first time ever, so that's been interesting and fun. Did Um, you get to work from home a lot in your old job? No, not really in my old one, but this new one, they focus more on hybrid working. Yeah, um, so nice. I would love to be a hybrid worker, honestly. Wouldn't we all? I feel yeah. like that is that is the the, the perfect situation. I don't. I think one hundred percent working from home is a bit much. I think it really like kills the the sense of like I don't know everything. So working. I feel like it's nice to have that kind of kind of social life with work, even if you're not like best friends with everyone and hanging out with them. It's just nice to not just speak to them about work things and deadlines and just be able to make. Yeah, know, also it's not but it's also good to like go out to your what do you mean work like oh to the office yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And the flip side it's nice being able to wake up in the morning and if it's raining go ah, I'm just gonna work from home today I don't yeah want to cycle you know that this. is the benefit of it that's why I'd like to be a hybrid worker but unfortunately I'm not yeah. I feel like I'm literally having a sugar rush in that brownie like my my <laughs> do you know, like you eat a lot of sugar in one go and you just put your whole body like Go a bit no, honestly. Oh no, I literally I've got a headache. You've had a headache all morning. Yeah, though. I have actually. It's probably because I'm hungover. <laughs> I went crazy to... Friday night. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> I was being like thrown around in this prohibition bar, so that might have something to do with it. Possibly, possibly, possibly. possibly. Too many margaritas and no, I only had one mug. Oh, yeah, yeah, I only had one mug. I limited it, but I did have drinks before the margarita, but it, I just had one, one of those. That would make me sick. What, a know, margarita? Yeah, I think so. It feels like mixing. Like I do, if I'm drinking tequila, I can only drink tequila. I can't. You would have died if you'd have come to Newcastle because they got shot roulette. Oh my God, mate. I literally was like, I can't do this. I'm like, I'm actually going to throw up. And they bring out all these shots. And luckily they said, like, don't get the chilli one because apparently the chilli one is god awful. But they put, they have ones that have milk in them. And I was like, I'm telling you now, if it lands on a milk when I'm not drinking it, like, you're going to have to... Re- what do you mean? So it's just a random array of shots? And yeah, yeah, you don't, you don't know what they are. Time. Yeah, and it's just, you spin the thing and then you, you have to drink that shot. But they all were very sweet flavours. You know what I'm like with sweet things. Yeah. And there was ones that had milk in them. And ones that had like, oh my god, it was just gross. Okay, that's it was one thing I was disgusted. Oh, sorry. Oh my god. Sorry, it's like a the laptop. Um, <laughs> like a thunderstorm. <laughs> um, that's one thing I'll never understand is like alcohol and milk or alcohol and cream. Like it's just, ugh, it just grosses me out. Honestly. Yeah. Are you yeah, an alcohol and cream, cream kind of person, Josh? Not really. I remember when I was in Canada though, they had like these cocktails you could buy in pitches called paralyzers. Oh god. And I think it was vodka, Kahlua coke and milk which sounds disgusting Wait, but it's actually as really in coca-cola nice. and milk yeah no absolutely not i'm I d- it shouldn't what have did worked, it taste like it what, um 
What would you equate it to? I don't know. It's hard. I'll it's try like to white remember. Russians, yeah. they put milk You in. know what that reminds yeah. me of is there's... um. I don't know what the name of it is, but I remember being at like school discos when I was younger and they used to do like, uh, I think it's called a float, possibly. I mean, yeah. Oh, I think a Coke float, like ice cream. Yeah, exactly. So like you'd have some kind of soft drink yeah. and then a scoop of ice cream into it. Yeah, then, yeah, that's an, which is yeah. basically, I guess, kind of like what you just said. It's like, People do beer floats, like beer, beer floats. with ice cream in. Beer with ice cream? Oh, no. And also there's like ice cream That's soda, true. which is like, a, have you ever had cream soda? That yes. milky drink. Oh, oh God. Oh, wait. Oh. Uh, wait, no, yeah. No, it literally no. tastes like sweet. Like What's super that? sweet vanilla ice cream. Like yeah. Sweet yeah. Ice cream. And they put What's ice cream in one? it. That's pink lemonade. No, 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 no. So there's this, um, there's a soft drink in Australia that I think it's called, I think it's called cream of soda or cream soda. Maybe it's pink in Australia, but it's not pink here. But it's here not, it's like, it's, it's a really pink liquid. Yeah, 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 but here it's clear. I think they put colouring in it in other places. I don't know. Because I have, I, I think, think in America it's pink. Might dep- depend on the brand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, whites. Well, to be fair, I think it is, I, it is probably likely pink because the can is pink. Like, I think it just oh. kind of goes with that. Okay, I see what you mean. Yeah, I'm trying to think. How do we get think it has cream in it, so... <laughs> a total tangent. I don't think it does have cream. Surely not. I don't know. I think it's just flavoured cream. That sounds worse. But Coke floats, I actually use, like, are okay. But I would never drink one now. But, like, as a 10-year-old, I probably enjoyed it. How did we get onto this I tangent? I have absolutely no idea. I'm now, like, confused. We're very much off topic. <laughs> um, But today... We have our special guest, gonna, Josh. Yeah, <laughs> to so for context we're recording this on saturday the 12th of november yesterday the 11th of november was remembrance day armistice day yeah oh yeah sorry i forgot you had a different name for it yeah Yeah, and it's remembrance sunday tomorrow remembrance sunday tomorrow which is obviously very important to remember every single person that gave their lives in service of their country i think a lot there's a few, I don't know if it's a Commonwealth thing, correct me, Josh, is it more yeah, of a Commonwealth thing? Yeah, it's very much, thing? you get like Anzac Day, which is similar, and I know the yeah. Americans have Veterans Day, which yeah. is the same sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Shall we just, well, Josh, you were in the military. Yeah. Do you want to talk a bit about that first, to give us some context? Yeah, how long, when did to you this? join, I guess? So I, I joined when I was 16, um, wow. and I did uh, like the Army Technical Foundation College, so mm-hmm. it's kind of like army college which was eight months and we did nvqs as well as basic training so it was a weird it was almost like military school i guess yeah yeah Uh, did you leave school to go and do that yeah yeah so you Um, would have done your gcse yes i did my gcse's then left after that and then joined the army at 16 wow yeah scary and then if you don't mind me asking what what inspired you to, to join um, I don't know. I'd always, I was always one of those kids like playing outside, climbing trees. Mm-hmm. Um, had sort of a sense for adventure, but grew up in quite a small sort of quiet town. So yeah. there wasn't really a lot going on there, I think. So it was like a way to get out of there and see the world and have a bit of an adventure at the same time, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 16 is so young. Oh, yeah. mm. Too young. Like crazily <laughs> yeah. young. And you were in it for how long? 12 and a half years. So I left when I was 28 okay. and a bit. 
crazy. Those are some like foundational years of your life as well, I feel. Most people are at that age either going like still at school and going to uni. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's like, like... Well, it's like your whole childhood and basically half of like all of your 20s. Mm. You were in the army. I, de- I definitely feel yeah. like I was sort of socially stunted in a way because yeah. I went from an all boys school, which I joined at 11, oh God, yeah. to the army at 16, which again, another very male dominated society. Yeah, so yeah. that's sort of talking to members of the opposite sex and <laughs> developing those social skills very much lacking I think at uh, yeah. that stage in my life yeah so after you did your basic training for like when you were 16 what what did you go on to then um so after I finished my training two weeks later uh so this was age 18 and four months so mm-hmm. two so I did my basic training then my trade training yeah uh then yeah finished training two weeks later I was in Iraq for six months Oh my god so, 18. at 18 uh, so i had crazy. no time in like the grown-up army yeah uh i went to germany spent two weeks there yeah. and then yeah shipped straight out to iraq jesus so what year this would have been 2003 2003 so yeah. uh we we went i think it was about four months after the war ended mm. um so yeah went out there for six months came back for five months then uh, went out again for another seven months with a different regiment. So they were asking back for to volunteers. Iraq. Yeah, back to Iraq for another seven months. Came back for a, a year and a half, and then went out again for another seven months. Goodness um, my god! And they were all winter tours, so like sort of October till April May time. So okay. out of four Christmases, three of them were in Iraq. Jesus! So you can't if you're on tour, you cannot get time off, and I guess unless it's. Ex- dream circumstances you can't get time off to come home yeah so you get two weeks uh like r&r at okay. some point they would just come at some point during the tour sometimes you know you could only be out there a month and then you come back for two weeks and then you have to go out for like another five six months so without you, don't get, you uh... can you can sort of bid for it yeah um and then i don't know how they work it out i think like people with families get priority over what time yeah they go back if it's around like yeah. christmas and kids birthdays and things yeah and then if it's it yourself who was a young single man they were just like oh but yeah, yeah I, just went, I think my, my third tour I actually did six months then got two weeks off and then went back out for a month God. so that was pretty intense yeah that was really intense. what was it like out there <laughs> so uh the first two times so the first time I went because it was so soon after the war had ended there wasn't a lot of trouble like there hadn't really been much of the insurgency that you saw later on um going on so there was a lot of like riots and stuff that we mm. had to be part of and do public order things with like all the shields and batons and yeah it was, like riot police essentially um but overall it was pretty peaceful people were sort of happy we were there we were working a lot like helping the local communities gave that sort of sense of security to them I yeah think. yeah so those two the first two weren't that bad was it a little bit more maintaining the peace keeping the peace rather yeah. than fighting yeah, um, we did we did a few operations like that, especially my second tour. Um, we were doing like um, going out in helicopters and doing vehicle checkpoints and yeah. doing all the really sort of cool sort of last minute ops. <laughs> it was actually a lot of fun. Mm, yeah, uh, in that sense, uh, a lot of foot patrols mm-hmm. uh, in that time. A lot of just walking around. Yeah, did I've heard that? I've heard it's a lot of walking. Yeah, a lot of it's basically <laughs> a lot walking. of walking. Even though yeah, I went out initially as a mechanic, I was always with sort of frontline units so yeah. they were like 
oh, we're missing a person. You, you can come out for a walk with us. Oh my gosh, so, so strange. And um, was it what you expected it to be before you went? Um, I don't really know what I was expecting, really, because I was so fresh out of training the first mm. time. Like, I had no idea. I hadn't spoken to anyone who'd been on tour. And it was so close. Yeah, yeah. Like after the war, like there hadn't been all the stories and people who had been and then moved yeah. around. So, um, yeah. Where else did you go apart from Iraq? Because obviously so, you were there for 12 years, right? Yeah, so I did. Uh, uh, I was based in Northern Ireland for a bit. Uh, did Canada. Um, over the winter I did Afghanistan as well so that was really? me I left uh, after 12 and a half years yeah but only 11 of them counted because it goes from your 18th birthday the maximum okay. you can do is 22 so I was only just like halfway god wait max you can do is 22 years yeah and then is that uh, you can extend or your time should start but then when you leave your pension starts from your, like your 40th birthday essentially really yeah. god so they your pension is from 22 years after the service if you do do choose to do that until the, the end of your life like yeah. just wow that's jeez insane it's pretty good do you have when you left when you were like 28 obviously you didn't do your 22 years but would you be able to start your pension from that point or no so it... mine will start from 55 or 60 i think 60 yeah or 60. Because, i can't remember exactly a little bit more yeah. close to normal yeah. yeah normal pension time like retirement age okay god I don't know that. No, neither so did I. Feels like a whole different like world reality. I mean, it feels, yeah. feels like a different world to me, like looking yeah. back through mm. the pictures and things. Yeah. Some of the things that you've told me about you as a person back then, I just can't picture you now as I don't know, in those situations or in that life, essentially. I feel like you must be such a different person. Yeah, it feels like a completely different it feels mm. it feels like I'm on a second life since yeah. leaving. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Did you, on the whole, enjoy it? Yeah, at a time. It, it is very yeah. much just like a boy's adventure, like yeah. going out, like running around in fields and stuff. Fields. Mm-hmm. <laughs> doing that, and especially like having learned a trade as well. Like I've always loved working my hands. So yeah. Like fixing and driving tanks is a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Did. Oh, sorry. No, I feel like, no. Like every time you it, that was definitely a question. We are first. literally, honestly, guys, I don't know what's going on. Like, we're just, I'm not, where do, what is going on today? I don't know. We don't often talk over each other. Don't no, we don't. So strange. Anyway. Anyway. Um, every time it happens as well, I forget my question. <laughs> Same. <laughs> what is going on? Honestly, the worst interviewers ever. Do you regret at all joining so young or do you think it was the right thing for Josh at age 16? I think it was the right thing for me at that age I didn't really have any idea what I wanted to do outside of that I think Mm. what I was planning to do was study history and uh, become Indiana Jones essentially so (laughs) (laughs) there was that sort of element of like trying to like go out and see the world and like adventuring so like paleontologist yeah basically. yeah yeah indiana jones or russ from friends either one <laughs> yeah exactly if i had to choose yeah. Uh... no exactly yeah i guess i mean what yeah what else would you have it'd be so interesting to see what, where your life would be now if yeah. you hadn't made that decision because it was a big one it then affected 12 and a half years of your life yeah which is insane but 
I mean, everything happens for a reason. I completely believe that, you know, you're, yeah. you're put into certain situations and everything to learn what you need to learn in your life. But also to come out at 28 and kind of have to start again must be really daunting. Yeah, I mean, I left at 28. I hadn't applied for any jobs. Or anything. Yeah. So I'd applied for um, voluntary redundancy. Okay. Uh, and I didn't get it because they were oversubscribed with people who wanted the redundancy. So they looked at everyone's uh, past reports because you're graded and just went up from the bottom. And because I'd had a good report, I didn't get redundancy. So these other guys got oh, like £42,000 and could leave the army for essentially being shit. Whereas yeah. those of us who had put all that time and effort into doing our jobs well got nothing. And That's at that point, so bad. I was just like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. Why were there so many people applying for redundancy? Like what, what just, was happening in the military at that time? I just that... think people wanting out yeah um, it was just sort of one of those things because they they asked for people who've done a certain amount of time of a certain rank and things so it was all people in the same sort of stage of life of me is maybe going mm. okay i'm done with this now yeah i don't want to do it forever this is a chance to get some cashola mm. yeah goodness <laughs> <Okay. laughs> i don't know that's funny i mean yeah yeah fair fair play to them but that also is an incredibly unfair way for the military to decide yeah, who gets it and who doesn't. I guess when you look at it from a business perspective, you want to keep your best employees. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Because I guess if they went the other way around and just yeah, know, then gave you it just to everyone. Yeah, they with the shit ones that yeah. weren't actually, yeah. God, no, wow. I guess that, that does make sense. One question that, I mean, we can cut it out if you don't answer it, but what I've always wondered is when you joined, it must have been around the end of 2001. Yeah. Did the climate of the world at that point affect your decision to join? So I'd already signed up uh, when 9-11 yeah. happened. Yeah, I remember I was in sort of the transition. Like it was, so I joined, I left school in the August. That obviously yeah. happened, uh, joined the army pretty much or applied for it, but I wouldn't be starting until January. So that happened in between oh, and then, applied. yeah. And then the war in Iraq happened mm. while we were, you know, at the end of our training. Yeah. Um, but there's sort of a sense of excitement of actually being able to go out and do mm. everything we'd sort of trained for. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there was that around it. And there being like a real purpose yeah. for it in, in being that war. But yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing how sort of you think it would be exciting then and then like after everything I've been through, like very much pacifist i guess now mm. like the war being like the final answer to everything yeah yeah which always absolutely. which for some reason always surprises people what yeah what is your your view on war now like would just you... it i it, it baffles me um why it's still happening yeah because um, having gone through it and so sort of, i guess we'll talk later like my my third tour in iraq was mm. horrible as yeah. hell and that's um but Having gone through that and then come out the other side, when you see it happening now, you're like, what is wrong with you people that you're wanting to put like young men through this and yeah. civilian populations through this? It's like, yeah. it's, 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 having been through it's so difficult to comprehend why anyone would see it as a solution to anything. Yeah, it yeah. must be another way. Yeah. I mean, the one, you know, the war happening at the moment between like Russia and, and Ukraine and it, I, I think about it every day. Like we have one of the girls at work, one of the other... Um, girls it's also in my role but in another team she fled Ukraine at the start of this year and got a job at 
my workplace and I, I kind of I spoke to her I said did you move to London literally because of the war to flee um Ukraine and she's like yeah like I didn't just move here because I wanted to I had to I had to survive but her dad was left behind and like because they're not letting men leave the country and I'm like how how was that a solution I guess that's kind of trying to put a, a rational understanding on something that's just not rational is it it's like what why would they choose to displace so like so many families and so many people and split them apart in order to what get some more land mm-hmm. get some more power like is that even worth it yeah it's but crazy. then I but then that's looking at it from a very privileged point of view and also a point of view of not being a dictator mm. so and I think like it's also interesting because older generations that served in the military had more wars like my granddad was in four different wars god yeah yeah i think yeah it's <coughs> i think there was multiple wars mm. <laughs> like, I think that's it, a lot for one person what it, <laughs> like come on what, what it is now is the wars we've sort of been in in our generation have been so far away there's sort of a sense of detachment whereas yeah. when they were being fought in europe on our doorstep and things like the blitz mm. like everyone yeah. the country was involved but yeah with it happening so far away in the middle east you don't see the repercussions yeah here it doesn't affect the country at all the, there's wars going on every single day yeah like there just is yeah but one it's thing not... that we're involved in yeah yeah a lot less no i see your point i imagine your opinion on war changed quite a bit after the two tours going into your third because it from what you've said, it sounds very different, a very different experience. Yeah. So the first tours were, they were almost like fun in a way. We were fairly safe where we were mm. in camp. Uh, There's a few hairy moments, but they were sort of few and far between, not really enough to have a lasting impression. The, the third tour of Iraq was uh, completely different. Mm. Um, so I was... We were based at um, Basra Palace, mm-hmm. um, which is the Hussein's old palace uh, down in sort of the centre of the city almost, um, which was a bizarre place to be because we were staying in like these huge sort of marble buildings with like polished floors and it's all really ornate, obviously, yeah. like, you know, the dictator's palace, really. Was um, it abandoned? I think, that... yeah, I think it was abandoned during the war and sort of we took it over yeah used it as sort of a base of operation because it was secure it had like big walls and everything around it so it's sort of like ready made i guess yeah um and then yeah we were we weren't there long and they started like we started getting bombed a lot um so like shells rockets mortars um every day i think over the seven months we were there we got hit 1300 times Oh my god! Uh, yeah, that's not blinds in the and near one misses. location. Yeah, just that. So that's ones that landed inside the fence. That wasn't yeah. near Jesus. misses. Um, and it was yeah, sort of at least once a day um, we'd get hit, um, and it got to the stage where it's like, don't go outside unless it's necessary. But mm. obviously, being mechanics, we were we had outside. to. We were working yeah. outside. Yeah, that's your job. And um, yeah, so we had an alarm that would go off. It was like a radar, and it could detect them in the air. Yeah. Um, so sometimes that would go off. We had time to run inside before they hit. It was basically Jeez. drop everything and run. Um, 
there was one guy, the alarm went off while he was on the toilet and it was like, do I wipe or run? And yeah. he decided to run. Uh, oh and then gosh. when we came back out of the portaloo that he was in, it had been absolutely shredded by shrapnel. So oh it, we were living just on like little margins like that. Like, yeah, yeah. Because our showers, they were in like uh, porter cabins outside. So okay. going to the shower, you'd be in like flip-flops, towel, yeah, body armor, helmet, which oh is quite gosh. a look to go to the shower in. And then like sometimes, you know, we'd get hit while you're in the shower, you're just like lying on the floor with your body armor and everything on, covered in soap and sand and... Jesus. Yeah. And that was for seven months. Yeah. And just like that every single day. Yeah, and the alarm, like, it wouldn't work every time. Yeah. Um, so sometimes the first you'd know is just when you get like the whistle of like a mortar going, just go, and then the explosion and then, yeah. And that must have been terrifying. It was. And they, they were able to shoot from so close that sometimes we could hear, so like mortars, when you drop it down the tube, it goes like, thump, yeah. as it fires out. And you could hear that. They were shooting from that close. So sometimes you'd be working, you just hear this thump, thump, thump in the oh background. And, and then know. everyone does like a meerkat thing, sits up and goes, was that? And then next thing, explosions going off. And Goodness me. There were ones, um, I remember where we were sat in our restroom, we got hit and there were one bounced off the roof of there. One went through the roof of the room next door and blew up in there, but thankfully it was just storage. Mm. Um, Did yeah. they not think to move, lo- like, could you not move location no. to somewhere that was... No, and because there's all the... It would have taken so long to have moved everything. It would have been weeks to move it all in. Yeah. Because we were so entrenched there. We'd been there for years at this point, sort yeah. of three or four years. Mm. Yeah, okay, 2006, so yeah, about four years we've been in that location so it's all set up with all the infrastructure and because the buildings themselves are actually pretty solid so they could withstand most of it but Mm -hmm. there was one actually when you went to uh where the uh, mess hall was where we ate in the kitchen there was a rocket that had hit the side of there and it blew a hole into someone's bedroom and you could like look through and see their bed and everything inside from the outside were you in that same building for every tour or no that was just this one just the third one this was this was the first of it all starting to ramp up with the insurgency. So, mm. yeah, it was pretty much. And there were times when you'd be sort of caught out when you walk in between buildings and you just got to lie on the floor and you just have oh to go, is that it this time? There was yeah. a, there How was, old were you when this was happening? I was 21 and I was seen as sort of experienced in an old hand because it was my third tour. A lot of the guys, it was their first tour, like oh 18, 19 years old. Um, Jeez. Like yeah, even on like twenty one and and them thinking that you're experienced and essentially yeah looking to you that is that's a lot of pressure. There's a few times there where I thought it was the end as well because you could you could tell when they were so when they were firing because the angle they were firing at would change as they because the recoil so it would like track along in the base and there was one where and you could tell how far away they were by the noise like the distance. And there was one time when we were sat there, me and my mate were laid there, like under this Land Rover, and we were like listening. We we're like, "Next one's on top of us." He's like, "I know exactly how far the next one's going to be." Yeah, like, that's it. And then yeah. for some reason, it like skipped a double distance that went beyond us. But oh my god! And then the the closest closest one we had, we were actually at another base in the city uh, in our tank, and we got hit directly. Like we were batting down in our tank and. Yeah, they were bouncing off like these explosions. Like we were rocking backwards and forwards. Oh my god! Um, the guys in the other tanks around us said we just disappeared. Mm. It was like one minute you were there, and then the next it was just smoke and dust. Like we had no idea what was going to be there when it cleared. What? But luckily, we were fine. Yeah. What is 
what is going through your head in, in moments like that where you're just like we've just got to duck and be here like we can't escape it we can't run it's just like it is gonna be this yeah there's sort of that acceptance of a situation like i find it hard now just to like accept situations for what they are just sort of like as we all do as humans but there mm. you're just able to just accept it there's like this compartmentalization you're able to do like you go i am in a war zone this is what happens in wars mm. and then you just gotta just hope you're being lucky this yeah is like all you can do really yeah so rather than what most people experience which is like fight or flight it's just a yeah this is how it is duck and and hope yeah. And it is literally that situation where it's just luck, isn't mm. it? Yeah. Like, there's nothing else to it. Yeah, yeah I've, I've, I've lost count of, like, the lucky situations I've had, like, where you've decided to do one thing instead of something else. And then you're like, yeah. I was standing just there five minutes ago. I decided yeah. to come over here, and now that's a crater. It's like, there's just, like, little ones where you just go, oh, I'll grab this before I go out. Yeah. And, and if yeah. you hadn't made that decision, yeah, it would have hit you. That's actually terrifying. Yeah. yeah, that is. So that went on for seven months. Yeah. Was there, did you get a break in those seven months? Yeah, so this was the one where I was actually there for six months before I got two Ooh, weeks off and then okay. went back out for another month. How did you feel going back for that last month? Um, there's, there's this weird thing because when you're out there, because you're out there with your friends and you're going through all that, together you don't want to be away from them you want to be there experiencing you don't want to be the one that sort of yeah wasn't there almost mm. i guess that's sort of something the army sort of teaches into your subconscious like no i must be there as part of the team we are a team i've got to be there as part so even when you're away from it you kind of want to be there yeah do you feel in those moments almost a guilt that you're not there and you're having a nicer time like did you experience any of that or was it yeah just there a... is there is very much a sense of and because we didn't have like loads of internet and you're not allowed to like this, I think it was still MySpace at the time. <laughs> uh, and like Facebook had only just started. So social media wasn't a thing. And even when it was, you weren't really allowed to post anything yeah, about what was going yeah. on out there. So there was no way of keeping up with how everyone was doing. Mm. You couldn't, what was, how would you be contacting with them that like back then though would it be letters would it be just yeah so you can get calls? these free letters they're like letters that fold out and you can write in them and you fold them up they're called blueies they're especially for sending okay. to people overseas um, so you do it that but basically what would happen is every time someone went back on r and r is they just pack all the nice things like all the nice like sweets and quits they just yeah. make like packages and just send them out to the guys oh wow your experience from that third tour We've, we're obviously going to touch on this, but obviously we are discussing in this episode about your experience with PTSD. Yeah. And I am assuming that you got that from that yeah. tour. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it, it's weird because I never really realised, and I was never like officially diagnosed with PTSD, I guess, but it, what I de experienced definitely was, I think. Yeah. So when we came back, I guess that's where we're sort of going to now, is like mm. the coming back from that because... This was, that was just a taste of what caused it, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, when we first came back, they didn't really do anything. Like, we got back to our base, which is in North Yorkshire. Um, we handed in our, like, rifle and everything. And then they're like, okay, oh, see you in work tomorrow. Like, that was it. Yeah. You can go out to the pub, do whatever you want. It's like, uh, I think even when we got back from uh, Afghanistan, which was in 2011, so that was like, 
four years later yeah all we got was like a 10 question quiz like are you having night terrors do you have feelings and it's like when you first get back like yeah you haven't had time to process it you're just excited to be back in the real world yeah and it's like yeah after you answer this quiz like there's some free beers over there if you want to go out. so you're just going to be like no 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 thank you bit yeah and that was it as far as aftercare went really yeah no follow-up nothing. i wonder if that's any different now because i have heard that like the army give you therapy or like counseling yeah but, but i you... don't know what the stages are yeah that. i don't really i think that sort of happened after i was there yeah but, yeah when i got back it was pretty much left to your own devices and i guess those early stages of being back i guess what i'd say i had really then or what it felt like was just shell shock Mm-hmm. like the guys got from the first world war i remember there were three of us who we went to this pub near one of the guys houses and it had like a really big heavy front door and every time it slammed all three of us were like like that like <laughs> so, no it's oh fine we're God. in a pub we're in a pub i've got a guinness it's okay yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of that and um yeah fireworks couldn't do fireworks at all yeah um i still don't to this day just in case i get triggered again but mm. i remember again it was only a couple of weeks after being back um I was at my friend's house and there was a firework display going on nearby and we all went out to watch it and I was like no I don't like this mm. and so they had two dogs at the time so I used that as an excuse I was like I was going to go sit with the huskies make sure they're okay yeah so I went and just sat with the dogs completely believable as well um, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a good way to sort of like sidle out right, without making yeah. a big thing of it um did you feel like you couldn't even obviously the army didn't provide you support but did you feel like you couldn't even say that or speak about it with your friends or your family um no no so this is what formed a big part of it i guess was just like at that stage so at that stage it was like okay it's obvious i don't like fireworks that make the same whizzing noise as the rockets that were coming Mm -hmm. in i'm getting like that's completely understandable Mm. um but then sort of i don't know i kind of as sort of time went on from that it started to feel sort of very sort of different and distant to everyone around me um like almost detached from reality um in a way and sort of you were looking i was looking at the world going night yeah just going nights out and i was having fun they would just get to like a point i'd just be like how can you all be okay after i've seen what i've seen so it's almost like a projection at that point yeah like how people just going about as if it's absolutely fine. So like, what about me and the shit? I've, like, so at that time, it was like, looking back now, I obviously kind of wanted to talk about it because I was projecting in my mind going yeah. like, how is everyone absolutely fine when I've seen this stuff? It's like, yeah. I basically, I guess, wanted to get it out. So these, these people that you were going out with, had they served with you? Had they seen the things? Or you were, when you were experiencing these thoughts, it was with people that were just living normal lives? Just people who are living normal lives. And I'd be seeing. just like looking uh just like strangers just like yeah. and i could like you know, yeah. see like dance with girls and having all these interactions because i felt so i just didn't feel like i could have that interaction i was like how, how's it fair that they can have those interactions absolute fun when i've seen and been through this stuff and, and they're like blissfully unaware that like things like that are happening yeah and then thing. i i just get it would, it would like almost anger me in a way that like everyone was fine and i wasn't but yeah. at, at this stage i'm, I'm able to it's weird trying to describe how I felt then with without looking through the lens of the understanding I have now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's obviously no way they could have understood what I've been through or even comprehend what that feels like. So to expect someone who hasn't been through it to know, yeah. much yeah. less a stranger, is ridiculous. But that's sort of 
how I was in my head and I'd get really angry and if like someone knocked into me in a club like I don't know at that point like I'd just be like hyper vigilant and hyper focused and just waiting for like everything to kick off like almost an excuse for a fight which it never came to thankfully but yeah. I'd just be yeah I'd just be like hypersensitive to anything like that and yeah it was just do you think you were quite an angry person back then not externally but mm. internally yes it boiled over a couple of times and I had arguments with people you know shouted at people but it, it, it was just uh it was like an anger born of frustration of not feeling understood yeah even though I wasn't communicating how I felt so yeah again looking back now knowing that it's like the, the reason they didn't know how I felt and couldn't like talk to me about it is because I didn't tell them I didn't say them. did yeah. you ever talk about it with people that you toured with no like, did they have the same experience so um like I was walking around and like yeah like being there I mean seeing everyone else and everyone else seemed fine and I was like okay like I've got to be fine as well and I guess if everyone else can deal with it I've got to man up and deal with it which is obviously like a horrible sort of like toxic masculinity sort of way and just sort of like not a helpful way in anything like that whole sort of just man up and deal with it thing but you feel like you have to because I'm a soldier in the army who's been to war so I've got to be yeah. able to deal with this and it appears like everyone else is dealing with it that way yeah, yeah. I guess I mean this might be going on to you know maybe one of your later points but I'm guessing that what you learned later is that they were probably going through the exact same thing as you. They were struggling so hard on the inside and then they were trying to be really strong and really like, I don't know, essentially just making everyone think that they were okay when they really weren't. And then by one person doing that, it then leads to another and another and another. And it's just a yeah, big domino group effect. of people. Yeah, exactly. A big group of people just not speaking about what they are all commonly suffering with yeah so that's exactly what mm. happened um eventually um <laughs> i guess um just because like to keep the sort of timeline i guess of sort of mm -hmm. my story so another thing that came up a lot was <coughs> oh. <coughs> sorry um, yeah it was uh, so there's a lot of feelings of guilt um and a lot of it for me it wasn't even, I guess there was a bit of survivor guilt, which is actually what I feel now most remembrance days. Mm. But it was guilt that if I did talk about it and say how much I was suffering, I was always aware that, you know, there's guys that have had like life-changing injuries and things like that. And I'm like, in my head, I was like, well, they're the guys that should be getting help. Like there should yeah. be no energy and focus put on me. I'm fine. It's sort of mm -hmm. this understanding that, you know, between like visible and invisible scars. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, you see someone with like, you know, missing arms or legs or things. It's like, they've very obviously been through a really tough time. Yeah. Like, and I was like, well, they've been through a tougher time than me. I, I can't be playing the victim here and asking for help. And there's people that have been through a lot worse who have lost really close friends. I think that's a very human thing. Like you can always look at the things and be like, someone's got it worse off than I do. And especially when it's like a physical ailment, <laughs> you can be like, well, how can I ask for help when they're, they clearly like yeah. physically need they're it? They're clearly suffering. And yeah. Like that's, I, I always, like still now I do feel guilty about if anyone gives me any sort of sympathy, I still mm. struggle to accept it because yeah, I just still feel 
that guilt, not as acutely to the point that I won't. I'm aware that I feel that guilt and it's unjustified, but yeah, it's yeah. still there. And so to sort of come back a little bit to understand like just how bad I was, mm. um, I didn't realise to so a few years later, um, and I was talking to, so the fireworks display I went to, where I said I just walked inside to get the dogs. Yeah. That's not the true story. And I didn't find this out till sort of four or five years later, I think. What actually I did was I jumped onto the floor and crawled into the house on my stomach, like in front of my friends and their families or anything. I don't remember it at all. Oh my goodness. Completely blacked out. So you thought that you went and hid with the dogs and in actual fact you <laughs> jumped on Literally the floor. And you you yeah. thought on the outside you were just chill, yeah. just just strolling because then I remember my friend's dad coming in because he used to be in the army and he came in and he's like are are you all right Josh I was like yeah yeah absolutely fine I was like weird he's checking on me when I just said I was coming to check on the dogs yeah yeah because you just thought you'd strolled into the house and then they would have no idea that you were actually that's crazy so your brain literally like blocked out that whole thing and you just went into like full-on survival mode yeah Yeah. I didn't even realize and so that's I'm, I'm better now around fireworks but I, I'm more. I'm not so worried about the fire. I'm more worried that if it triggers something again, yeah, and you do something that you don't realize. Yeah. How did you then come to learn the truth? Was that something that you, it like, I don't know, something unlocked in memory, or did you? No. So it or... was um, my friend who was there. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of friends I grew up with were in the military as well, mm-hmm. and uh, I think two were in the RAF, and I was in the army, and yeah. um, she was just talking. She's the husband of uh, the wife. Of one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry again. I was, and she was saying, like, I never worried about these two when they went away, but I worried about Josh because of everything he saw. And then this happened, and I was sat there going, I didn't remember that at That's all. Actually so I only job. only know that account. And she didn't know that you didn't know didn't yeah. know either. Yeah. Isn't that so weird? What your brain does in like time that is actually mental. It tries to protect you. Yeah. To the, you literally created a whole alternate like reality in your head as to what happened. Yeah. God, Had, was that the only time that that's happened that you you can recall of it? That I can. Of? That I can recall. I, I I know there's been times when I've been to like fireworks displays and things and just gone. Nope, got to go home. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. Oh my god, that's actually crazy. Yeah. How how was that? What did that make you feel when you realised that? Was it kind of a... Shocked Did you have like a realisation yeah. or was it just embarrassment? It was just sort of almost embarrassment at the time that I'd let, like, I thought what I thought was like this quite strong, mm. like, exterior that I was putting out, that that wasn't actually the case. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And so it came, like, as you said earlier, like, it got to the stage where I was like, Okay, I don't know if I, I don't know if it was a conscious decision, but it was about ten years of living like this, uh, like yeah. having not spoken to anyone about it, mm. not even like my closest friends. Um, and I got chatting to one guy that I was in Iraq with, and we got onto the conversation, and I told him sort of how I was feeling. And that I must have like, been such a relief to finally tell someone. Yeah, and I was like, I feel like I'm the only one like struggling. It's been really hard. Like, and he was like, mate, I thought I was the only one. So he had never spoken to anyone about it either. And then I went round and I spoke to more people and every single one of them thought they were the only ones suffering. 
Isn't that crazy? At this point, when you were having these conversations, were you still in the military? Or had you left? Yeah, I think this was um, this was towards the end yeah. of my time in the army, or just after I'd left. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just it, it almost made me laugh in a way that every single one of us was fighting our own little private battle, mm. and all of us thought we were the only one and didn't feel supported enough. Mm. to open up and talk to each other and that was 10 years I spent thinking I was the only one who suffered from that sort the whole like man up thing is just so toxic isn't it then you realize that like everyone's been and for all of you it must have been a huge thing to realize that you were all actually suffering because then you're not alone are you the weight that felt lifted when I realized yeah I wasn't alone was huge like Mm. it, it was it was ridiculous and then that made everything else from then a lot easier Mm. and it's just sort of um yeah it's just understanding like that no one comes back okay and yeah but we didn't get any help yeah that's crazy after having those initial conversations did it then just break down your walls completely and then you were open to having conversations and it was easy if you'd had conversations or was it still quite hard but at least you'd taken that first step I found it at that stage (coughs) (coughs) another coughing break (laughs) Um, at that stage I found it easier to like answer questions if people asked I'd be more honest yeah Uh, I wouldn't like go out and seek those conversations because that still fed into the guilt thing like I was then if I brought it up and spoke to someone about it, I was attention seeking. Almost like burdening that person. No, yeah, that not, not or... so much. It was no. more like I was, it was like, oh, pity me because I've been through oh, these things. Oh, I see. I see. Um, yeah. Which was like a huge thing about it, like understanding that everyone's experience of life is different and how we experience situations is different. And mm. it's okay to have a completely different reaction to a situation to anyone else yeah in terms of like the symptoms of how your PTSD manifests is it always the same or do you has it like changed like (coughs) in the times that you've had it or is it literally you know how you said that you will experience something and you don't remember it is that typically how what happens or um I'm not sure I wasn't aware of anyone else having a situation like that yeah um but everyone else did like they're there was that sort of feeling of distance from reality and disconnection from everyone around you. Like having known, especially around like civilian friends, like, (coughs) because it's like, none of them have been through any situation even close to that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so how do you even begin to have that sort of conversation? And then, but it's part of it was also part of like the getting over the angles, accepting that, not everyone knows what that's like. And actually that's a really good thing that not everyone has been through these really sort of traumatic events. Yeah. Um, so it's almost a thing that it's like, you're grateful to have people to talk to that have been through it, but potentially also grateful that not everyone is in that same boat yeah. and not everyone gets what it's like, but it's nice to have at least a few people that have been through that experience and know the right things to say and ask, I guess. Cause I think that would be, like when if you have had conversations with people since that were civilians that never experienced anything that you experienced have you had conversations where they just say the wrong things or ask the wrong questions and it's 
upsetting or like is it sometimes offensive at mm. all not really there's a lot of curiosity i think i think i'm surrounding myself with more of the right people these days so i don't like one of the questions you always used to get asked was have you killed anyone how many people have did you, you shot? ask that yeah oh god that's pretty dark that's yeah. so inappropriate oh, have you ever shot anyone it's like wow <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a lot to ask somebody yeah did you find i i can't i can't picture anyone that i know asking that question of it was it just like young people that well, i guess really at the time it, that, yeah or? at the time like i would i would have come home from that tour i still would have been i would have been 21 yeah, 22 okay. so like the people i hang out with still like it's crazy to think that they were just finishing university and yeah. I'd done three tours of Iraq. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So maybe they're just a bit, bit too immature. Naive and, yeah. 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 So and also it's, it's almost like a novelty, like having yeah, someone been who's been war. away and done yeah. that. Yeah. They just couldn't couldn't actually see the reality of, of what asking that question <laughs> meant yeah. to somebody. Because that's extremely triggering as well. Mm-hmm. Not to mention like... Just disrespectful. Yeah. <laughs> Completely. In terms of your, so you've never officially been diagnosed. No, I never, I never went and got uh, professional help. I've always been just. (coughs) Is there a reason for that? Or you just didn't Um, feel that you wanted to? At the time I sort of, I was like, I don't need anyone to sort of tell me that I'm going through something Mm -hmm. really big here. And then by the time I understood it more, I was already developing healthier habits to help me deal with it. I wasn't lashing out I was able to sort of look at myself Mm. and so I didn't feel like I needed it and I tried I tried therapy once and the therapist wasn't really that good so it sort of put me off as I'd rather go and do the research myself and find out about it myself and because I feel sort of a bit more confident talking about it's like trying to help others to speak up because we guys are still suffering not everyone's been as lucky as me as being able to sort of identify it within themselves and do mm. something and I think we did actually it was a few years ago now like a frightening statistic that more soldiers had killed themselves after getting back from Iraq and Afghanistan than were killed by the enemy in, yeah. in Iraq and Afghanistan so more people had taken their own lives than had been taken out there because they didn't know how to deal with it including people I know what was the biggest thing that you've done like working on yourself that's improved your the way that you cope with PTSD say if you had to like give advice to somebody who's who can't deal with it as hard as it is it to do and I know how hard it is but it's just talking about it and being honest about it and finding a space where you know that people are going to hold that space for you and it you're going to be made to feel safe but the the only way that I've found is by talking about it because trying mm. to do it, deal with it yourself is, is too much. Kiki Blinders. I'm intrigued. Tell us. Uh, yeah. So in the first season, there's this character called Billy Whizbang. Yes. I, um, yeah. Who kept like having flashbacks and things and was like really struggling with it and wasn't himself. And like, it was, it was almost heartbreaking to see that because I felt I could empathize mm. so much. And that, like in those days after that war, even less helpful even mm. like and what they went through like just insane and like yeah I've actually found it quite heartbreaking especially even when they sort of spoiler alert faked his murder yeah or like fake and it like just sort of the relief that was on his face that he was about to end it all oh 
just like I like yeah really really sort of spoke to me I was sort of just like shit yeah do you find things like that in movies to be because of you so you can relate to it do you find it to be almost helpful is not the word but almost you can like relate to it yeah it's it's, it's kind of relatable it's almost like seeing someone else going through what you're going so so there's like that um yeah there's that relatability to it and like Mm. i was saying like finding out that other people have been through that same thing was like huge and like the fact of how much people talk about it now is just incredible and amazing and the support there is out there and sort of Mm. awareness from everyone else but they spent a year like Afghanistan we spent a year learning how to go and they didn't teach us how to come home yeah we had a 10 question thing and that was it back into the world yeah for yourselves I really hope that these days if people are joining the military if they're working in the military now I really hope that there is better support than what they gave you because that's it's unacceptable no. <laughs> car horn that's yeah that's the other thing as it's well unacceptable. like I was saying that has made me sort of a pacifist it's like knowing like the after effects that i've felt and uh, there's some other like longer term stuff i'll talk about in a second but mm. you know you look at what's going on in ukraine at the moment and it's like it's not just blown up buildings these people are going to have to deal with it's things it's the mental health side of it it's just going to be incredible I and mean, you can be tough and resilient but you don't know when it's going to sneak up on you yeah and i felt that way you know like part of me also feels for like the young russian soldiers that have been like pushed into this mm. and then because they don't have a choice do they yeah but... and then they're gonna come home like they haven't a choice they've been conscripted like some yeah. of them and like a lot of them thought they were doing training they weren't prepared and all of a sudden they're in a war mm. but they're also going like for me they've got to deal with like the double whammy of whatever they went through because like ptsd doesn't care what side you're on yeah but they've also then got to live with being like the bad guys. Yeah. Which is something I felt a lot as well from Iraq and Afghanistan is everyone saying we shouldn't have been there. It was wrong. Like, yeah, everything we did out there was bad, it was wrong. And then for me, I was seeing it on the ground as like, we're helping, we're building infrastructure. We're giving these people security. We're not doing a bad thing, but then there's everyone at home you get like the real hardcore protesters like calling you baby killers and things and you hear all these stories and it's like I didn't see any of that it's like where's that and so in my head I was always have I been on the right side of history here as well and um yeah a couple of things have sort of happened in the past couple of years was um one was um yeah so when we when you saw the Americans pulling out of Afghanistan yeah, and then the Taliban swept back through mm-hmm. and then public opinion then was, we shouldn't have like, we shouldn't have left. Yeah. Why do we leave these people to themselves? But yeah. for me, it was like this huge sense of like justification. It was like, we were, look, we were doing the yeah. right thing. And I've had this internal battle of was I doing was like, am I going to have to live my life going? I took part in something that was like morally wrong. Yeah. And then that sort of sense of relief, like almost relief of we were doing the right thing. It yeah. was like, on, I, I remember reading about it on the train and I broke down crying. Like, mm. I was just like, it was such a huge sort of relief to know that everything I thought was right did turn out to be the right thing. 
Yeah. And that was just something... because it wasn't your war that you were fighting, it doesn't mean that those people didn't deserve protection from who were the true enemy. Mm-hmm. They yeah. were and it know, was it was country. nineteen years I'd wrestled with that from mm-hmm. like finding that out like earlier this year. Yeah. I think it was from when I went in like yeah. two thousand nineteen years going, was I doing the right thing? Not knowing and public opinion being that you'd done the wrong thing, but going, No, I'm sure it was right because we gave the stability. I saw it from that sort of angle and that was really and there was also an anger to me a little bit as well. It was like people it just felt like public opinion flip flop. It was like it's bad, yeah. we shouldn't be there, blah blah blah. And then when we left and it went bad, everyone's like, Oh no, it was good. Why did we leave? That was a bad thing. And I'm like like we've been telling you yeah. like what we were doing was a good thing but you know you can't be angry at people for that there was that fleeting moment of anger rather than like a deep-rooted one it was just like a for fuck's sake i told you yeah <laughs> sort of feeling. exactly i have a family member that uh he served in the vietnam war he's a vietnam vet and he said that coming home from that war they thought they were going to come back and they were going to be welcomed and they were going to be kind of almost seen as like the heroes and and that they were doing the right thing and and on the right side and they came back to essentially a heap of hate mm-hmm. and every like the reception that they came home to specifically in Australia I won't speak for any other country but for Australia they came back and everyone was like you know wasted your time over there like why do you, it's just a waste of lives it's a waste of money blah 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 they were just bombarded with hate and no respect essentially which is is heartbreaking to think that what they did and what they went through I think it's also not their decision either like if the people that are suffering from this didn't make those decisions to go no. So yeah. like the re- that it's like someone who doesn't necessarily need all of that hate is getting the hate for other mm-hmm. people's decisions. <laughs> yeah. Like they were just kind of thrown into it. And yeah, yeah. exactly. Don't, don't hate on the individuals. If you really have a problem with with the organization or the system as yeah. a whole, then you know. So um, it's all it's all political. Yeah, exactly. And like, I'm not I'm not going to get into like how I feel about politicians especially people who make these sort of decisions because mm. yeah it's too kind of yeah but yeah. it's it's not it, we don't you choose to join the army you don't choose where you go you can choose how you yeah. conduct yourself when you're there but and at the end of the day what's weird is like when you go there you're not really when you're fighting and in those positions where it's life or death you're not not fighting for a flag or a belief or anything you just want you and your friends to get home alive that's yeah. all you care about is you and your friends right there in that moment yeah there's not nothing else matters there's no flag there's no political agenda yeah yeah it's pure survival and it's it's shit that that's what it is it goes down to sort of that individual low level level of survival but it's politicians who make that decision and sit there miles away mm. yeah oblivious it's, yeah exactly there's a saying, I think it was a Linkin Park lyric, actually. Uh, I can't remember exactly, but yeah, it's when the rich wage war, it's the poor who die. So speaking of remembrance and stuff, obviously the parade is on Sunday. Are you a parader? Are you a, do you go to the remembrance so services? I, I used to. I enjoyed it. It is 
yeah, it's nice seeing like just like all the marching, the bands and stuff. There was just like just a, a nice Look, day, everyone yeah. likes a parade. <laughs> and like, I'd meet up with old friends there, and we'd go for a drink afterwards, and it was quite nice. But I haven't gone the past because it just gets too busy there, and because mm. and I, I feel guilty sometimes. It's like oh, maybe I should do something big, but it's it's one of those things. It's like I don't have the luxury of just going okay I choose to remember this day like I think about it every day like I'm always remembering and yeah like those people I knew who did lose their lives like you don't I'm never going to forget it I don't I don't need yeah. a particular day for remembering it yeah. it just always happens but I think I, I like to think that these days it like remembrance means more than just the soldiers who lost their lives it's like guys who are still fighting those internal battles who are still struggling who are still mm. with us there's a chance of saving them as well mm. and the civilians and anyone affected by war they need to that's I think the whole thing is we need to remember the past so that we learn from those mistakes and we don't do it again in the future yeah and so that means remembering everyone every aspect of it mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Because I think it is so easy, especially like PTSD and um, trauma, it is so easy to like f- forget that on a general level. Like most people will obviously tend to remember the people who've died or the people who have physically been injured. But in terms of like the mental battles, I feel like it's it is quite easy to forget about them. Um, but obviously they're like just as big <laughs> yeah as... It, it's it's difficult as well because i know when back when i was internalizing everything you'd see things like remembrance day and like honoring the dead and you'd sit there and you just think what about me who's gonna help why does no one want to help me yeah yeah and so it makes it, it on those days it exacerbates it because you're seeing this like public outpouring of like you know respect and love and sort of honoring those people and you're sat there going yeah, but you still feel like I, I need that now. And need I'm here. Yeah. It's like I didn't die, you know, like nearly a hundred over a hundred years ago in a war. I'm here now fighting it yeah. inside me. Exactly. So exactly. I think it's definitely a case of remembering every, everyone, any aspect of it. And, yeah. and and like I said, just understanding how many people suffer from it and all the knock on effects is what sort of made me more of a pacifist yeah and it is is a last resort yeah i think the general kind of awareness of men's mental health whether you had served for your country or Or not yeah or not i think (laughs) really 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 needs to be spoken about and in my opinion heavily funded so much more than it's now i it is insane to me how it, it's still as much as it's getting better I really do think it's getting better and I think that people are getting men in particular are getting better at speaking about their feelings and it's becoming more normalized for men to even have feelings to be honest for them to be openly sad and be able to cry mm. and not be called a baby that's relatively a new concept isn't yeah it? but Absolutely. I think it I think but in the last it's... couple of years it has become so much more of an important thing that it ever was like in our parents generation our mm. grandparents generation and generations before that 
so definitely. on that as well it is uh movember as you can oh yeah see uh which which Spot used to be i think more about uh like testicular cancer and mm -hmm. sort of awareness of that but it's now grown to encompass um awareness for men's health as well so yeah. you can donate through movember yeah, um, absolutely. I think because November is Men's Health Month, isn't it? Yeah, like men's awareness. I think so. Absolutely. Yeah. I, as much as we have come strides in, like in the last couple of years in terms of the awareness of men's mental health, I think there is so much further to go. Yeah. Like, firstly, they need to start offering like therapy and counselling when you come out of a war. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's like basic level. The like the bare men. <laughs> I think we just need it's to, we, like, or just as talk men, about we, it. yeah, we need to support each other as well. Yeah. And just, I, I am actually seeing a lot more in like some of the groups I hang out with, like a lot more check-ins with each mm. other, like on WhatsApp and things. Yeah, it's definitely getting better. Yeah, good. But then there's other groups where I see it not happening at all. Yeah, but yeah, it just needs to. It just needs to be normalised. It doesn't have to be going to therapy. It just needs to yeah, be talking about. Are, are you having a bit of a rough day? Like, do you just want someone to listen? Do you just want me to sit down, listen, let's go for a coffee? It doesn't need to be, you know, going and signing up for therapy and yeah, having to put yourself through all of... chatting about... Just telling about your feelings, stuff. having a cry. Honestly, I think it really needs to be normalised that, that men cry too. <laughs> like, it really does. It really, really does. Like, I grew up in a household where if the men in my family specifically my brothers if they showed any kind of emotion it was shut down immediately you are a baby there's words I will not say because they were just so cruel it was just you it was just expected <coughs> that as a man any kind of weakness or sensitivity or emotion was just so was just unacceptable yeah and it's it's still like I've I am pretty sure if I walked into my childhood home today, it would still be the exact same. And I think that is, is yeah, it's, in my opinion, it's just unacceptable. I, I really think so, because women will, will happily sit down and have a chat with their friends and talk about, honestly, everything. Sometimes... Too sometimes much. a bit too much sometimes i talk about everything i do know the ins and outs of lily's everything, <laughs> everything. basically everything i but just have also, no filter i just also, put it straight on whatsapp like no warning like yeah. i just <laughs> text you like everything yeah <laughs> and there'll be like 20 messages of like just 20 different really the thing is things. the thing i found as well though is like having done it like as well sort of guys if you talk to your guy friends about it they'll more than likely want to talk to you about things that they're not telling anyone yeah. else. And the friends that I have those difficult, open conversations with, like the strength of those relationships is just insane. Like mm -hmm. mm. as, as strong as you think it is, as soon as you start opening up to each other, it makes it even stronger. Yeah. 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 100%. Absolutely. And it's, I feel like it's lighter, even though, you know, your friends aren't professional psychiatrists or psychologists and they don't have the the training to help you. <coughs> but I do think that even just saying something out loud can take the weight off you so much. Speaking something out loud, just saying it to someone, it makes it 
I don't know. It just you put it, it out. It gets it, it out like, of your out of your body. It like yeah, yeah that's the yeah. Just, it and, takes away that internal battle. Yeah, and just knowing you've got even if it's just one friend that you can text when you're struggling and feeling that like it automatically makes it lighter. Just being able to vent to someone like knowing yeah. there's no judgment or yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It just makes it so much easier. How would you? Like if you could kind of give one piece of advice of how someone would start that conversation with one of their um, mates, how would you start it? You would just have to, I, I don't know, you just can't step around the issue. You just go, like you, you can just ask the question just to know if they're going to be there. If you just go, dude, if I talk to you about something a bit heavy or a bit yeah. deep and then see what their reaction is. And then if you've got something you're really struggling with, maybe not lead with the really yeah. deep stuff, but just, sharing a few things just building up that sense of trust mm. um yeah just being open and honest with each other and just like yeah if you feel like there's someone who could be that Perfect, hopefully just yeah. go do so if i just talk to you about something a bit serious for a bit mm. yeah yeah absolutely and it yeah. also helps you find if you're surrounding yourself with the right people as well yeah if there's someone definitely. that's not going to be there for you like, in those no. difficult times are they really a friend yeah, yeah. i agreed absolutely cut them out Absolutely. I, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it. Yeah. I mean, maybe not blocking. No, maybe not blocking. And also, also, <laughs> yeah. also, another one. So, got it here with me. If you've got no one to talk to, you can always talk to yourself. Journal. Journaling. Journal. I've just started. I've just started like free journaling in here. Oh my yeah. god, that's and, a lot of journaling. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, and I started off with uh, there were some really good ones where they just give you like daily prompts for like gratitude and things. Yeah. And then moving into ones that give you more things to think about. And then like, I've ended up free journaling now. It's just really good, really easy. You don't have to talk to someone else, just being able to get your thoughts out and yeah. seeing them on a page helps you straighten things out as well. So yeah. Yeah, if you don't feel like you've got, <coughs> oh, God. sorry guys, if you don't feel like you've got someone to talk to, yeah. then uh, yeah, you can always start by talking journal. to yourself. Great yeah, idea. Absolutely. I'm a huge advocate for journaling. And you're right. Starting with the prompting journals is a is a good way of getting into it. Because yeah, I've heard it really hard. I yeah. think it's, it's called like if you just go hard. an Amazon like the six minute diary, mm. yeah, uh, or six minute journal. Yeah, there'll be loads like pop up. Ones. Get one of those, yeah. But then talking to someone, I have no issue. Like I would literally just call you up and say mm. it to you over the phone. Whereas writing things down, I always struggle to, to think like, oh, what do I write first? Yeah. Absolutely. I literally do it first thing in the morning, just whatever's in my head, good or bad. Yeah. And then just try and write. Normally, by the time I finish writing about it, I go, "Oh yeah, I'll just do that about this." Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think it. I think it's just really important to speak about it or journal about it or whatever you find helpful, because I think, you know, I've mentioned to you a few times about therapy, and I and I've hugely advocate for it and how much has helped me. But I also completely recognise that it's not for everyone. And I've noticed the massive difference that journaling and like reading has helped you. Like in the time that we, we've known each other for four years now? Four and a bit? No, 2018 you moved in, right? Yeah. Four years then. Four yeah. years. Yeah. So we know each other for four years. And I feel like even in even in those four years, you have become almost a completely different person. Like you're so self-aware, you are just so much more comfortable in yourself, I feel. I feel like you've really like grown into who you actually are. And I think that has a lot to do with the the inner work that you've done. 
purely by finding things that actually work for you and um yeah Oh, thank you. I thought at first you were going to say you've become almost a complete person. Yeah, no, that's what I thought you were going to say. Um, yeah, uh, so... I guess just a complete version of you, though. Yeah, I definitely feel more me. I was never myself in the army, but I guess that's a that's a whole other yeah, episode whole other on that. Thing. We've spoken about that before. But, yeah, um, yeah for me, I I tried therapy, tried counselling. It didn't, didn't really work for me but yeah. reading did I think it's just the way you absorb information because I was able to read and then suddenly go oh yeah so that, that. <laughs> you're like self-analyze mm. yeah I like yeah. it's almost like a sort of puzzle to see how it works yeah. I think it appeals to that sort of engineering side of my brain more that mm. more logical yeah. oh I've said that I've read it in a book that means it's sort of true yes I can see that applies to me next thing and I guess um, you're, you're doing it at your own pace and and when you feel because I, I was listening to this podcast the other day about trauma and obviously you know there's a there is a difference between PTSD and trauma and you know a lot of a lot of people experience um various types of trauma but they were kind of saying that you know it's really important that if someone has experienced trauma you're not forcing them to work it out you're not forcing them to try to face their trauma if they're not ready to face it or in a, an environment where they're just not ready like the example they gave was this this boy that had like lost his mum and his dad was like so set on trying to like get his son to constantly speak about it and the boy was just like not he just didn't feel like he was in a safe place to speak about it he was like I'm just not <laughs> not ready not and it almost made it worse yeah exactly it almost made it worse because he was he didn't feel like he could process it in at his own pace and in his own time and, um yeah I don't know that, that kind of episode made me really yeah really really reevaluate how people process their own trauma and that it's not a one-size-fits-all and sometimes you just need to find what fits you yeah because I was finding with therapy is because I was doing it every two weeks I couldn't really afford to do it every week mm is on my therapy days I'd always feel fine yeah and I'd go in and she'd go is there anything you'd like to talk about I'm like nope all good uh yeah. what should we talk about for the next hour and she yeah. didn't really pull anything out of me or anything meaningful yeah uh and then when I was having really shit days and I did want to talk about it mm. I wasn't in therapy so mm. that that disconnect for me I was like, I need something that's more on hand yeah, yeah. to deal with yeah, it and then absolutely. yeah that's when I started looking more into it myself and then like I said, just talking to people as well. Like we can all be therapists for each other in a little mm, way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. It was amazing. Like my first sort of <laughs> proper one where I'm not drunkenly hosting yeah. Mister and Mrs. <laughs> that was so funny. Was fun. I haven't even listened to that. I was too. Oh my god, it's so funny. Um. So yeah, no, fun. it's been really good having this chat with you. It's been really eye-opening. Yeah, I've, I, I mean, I've known you for a few years now, and I have learned a lot. Yeah, whilst we've been talking today, and I, I hope that you know a lot of people are gonna learn from this. You know, who are listening, and I hope, yeah, if you're if you're struggling with anything at all, and you feel like you can't speak about it, reach out honestly reach out to someone that you know reach out to 
organizations that are set up you know there's I feel like we've said this in like four podcasts now this exact thing I've got just like deja vu <laughs> you've been like if you're struggling with somebody <laughs> reach out I don't know why <laughs> I feel like it's literally in three episodes maybe you need a number to say it. if you need help reach out on 0800 <laughs> yeah. Kai's mobile 0800 ask Kai <laughs> <laughs> call me up babe but yeah talk about it it's important yeah yeah definitely okay. and also don't go on a podcast when you've got a cough because you're going to make the editing so hard oh, for the people who have to sit honestly, afterwards George. we might just have to leave them in yeah. cough gate <laughs> <laughs> it adds, it adds if my only mannerism from this is me coughing i'm fine with that <laughs> also we're recording this in literal darkness because <laughs> it wasn't sun... where we started no right? it wasn't but the sun's gone down and we didn't have the lights on and we're now just sat here and it's That's honestly like, like nice sunset, it's though. so dark Anyway, thank you, thank you so much for so listening. Well, thank you for having me and giving me a space to talk about it. You're welcome. Absolutely. Come back anytime. Any, literally anytime. <laughs> You're welcome on this podcast. It's basically, you could be the third honorary host. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Have a lovely <laughs> week, everybody. Lots of love. Bye. Bye. Bye.